tonight we gather again to journey through the book of Ruth. Last week we were reminded by Carsten as he, he challenged us to consider the question, is God at our crossroads? We saw three people, we saw Naomi, we saw Ruth, um, and, and we saw um, Opa, and, and Carson really brought the question to us, is God at our crossroad as we saw he wasn't at Opa's? Now tonight before we start, I, I want to ask the question, have you heard the phrase, knocked down but not out? The phrase reminds me of a, a boxing match when the opponent is knocked down and the whole world is watching to see, will he get up before the 10th count? We notice a woman tonight, in fact two women, but specifically one tonight, who was knocked down but not knocked out. The world threw countless jabs her direction. She lost her father-in-law. She lost her husband. She lost the sister-in-law. She's at the bottom of the economic chain of her society, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ kept her going. It was the grace of God and His, gra and His mercy in His providential hand that kept Ruth standing. Same God working in our lives tonight. So consider, consider with me Ruth chapter 2, and we'll read just verses 1, one 2, verse 7. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1 reads, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Verse 3. So she set out and went to glean in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Verse 5. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Verse 7. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Let's pray together. Father, I do pray tonight that, Lord, you would help me with this sermon. God, I pray that you would speak through me, that, God, you would just direct my, my, my thoughts. Lord, clarify my speech. Help me, Father, to speak as a servant sent by you. God, I do pray that you'd use your word to edify the saints, that, God, you would challenge us by your truth. Help us, Lord, to just consider your providence. Thank you, God, that we believe in a God who is transcendent, but praise God, he is eminent. He is working in our lives. He is directing our, our steps. And most importantly, we thank you that you do love us and you care for us in a special way. So God, I pray that I wouldn't be a hindrance to this message, 
That, Father, if there's someone sitting here, Lord, with a barrier over their hearts, keeping them from receiving your truth, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would remove that barrier, Lord, break down that wall that they may hear the truth that you have revealed from your word. And I pray, Lord, that your word shall not return void. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So the first thing I would like us to consider tonight is Boaz. Boaz, obedient and blessed. Now to remind us of the title of our series, we, we've titled this series, Our Redemption Story Revealed in an Actual Love Story. But so far we've seen nothing in the lines of romance. Instead, we've seen, all we've seen is tragedy, we've seen grief, we've seen sad goodbyes, and they return home to Bethlehem. Where is this knight in shining armor? Consider with me verses 1 and verse 4. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a woman of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord be with you. Tonight we are finally, we are finally introduced to the other part of the love story. Tonight we are introduced to Boaz, whose name actually meant in him is strength. What do we know about him from this passage? First thing I want us to consider is he was a relative to Elimelech. He was a relative to Elimelech. Now we don't know, we don't have much to tell us how exactly they were related, but we know from this passage that they were. But what really struck out to me is I want you to consider the, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. And you'll notice in that genealogy that Boaz's father was Salmon, whom, who was married to Rahab, his mother. Remember Rahab from Sunday school? Rahab the harlot with the red thread in Jericho? Rahab was the mother to Boaz, the lady who spared the Israeli spies from the men of Jericho. I want you to notice the Lord's providence in delivering um, Rahab, who would then give birth to Boaz, who is going to meet Ruth this day. God's provident hand at work. God would, would use in his will Rahab, who was considered an immoral outcast of society. She would bear false witness in saving the lives of, of the spies. God would save her. She would join the nation Israel and marry Salmon, who would later father Boaz, who was a kinsman redeemer to Naomi and Ruth. It is interesting to note that God does not condone Rahab's actions, but he would use what was evil to accomplish his good. He would use what was evil and sinful to accomplish his good. Immediately, lives were saved, the spies, and eternally his kingdom would, would come as the seed of David would be planted. That church is God seeing to it that his will comes to pass, otherwise known as providence. A.W. Tozer was meditating on the idea of God caring for his people. And he said, with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? 
we are reminded of Paul's words in Romans chapter 8, verses 31. If God is for us, who can stand against us? The second thing we know about this man, Boaz, is he was a worthy man. Boaz is described as a worthy man, and the, the, the term worthy can actually mean rich, but the term worthy can often also mean integrity, valor, honor. Two ideas I want to expand on tonight. The first one is he was a wealthy man. How is Boaz wealthy? How do we have wealthy people, remember, in the midst of famine? The ground was barren, and the little that Israelites yielded, the foreign nations will come in and plunder it. How is it that Boaz is rich in the midst of much hostility? Well, this is a testimony of God's faithful hand over the righteous. We saw two weeks ago, Elimelech seemingly doubted God. He doubted his security in God's chosen land and moved to his family. He moved his family to Moab. Again, this was an easily justifiable move because after all, he wanted to feed his family. But again, I reminded us two weeks ago that we can sin even with the best intentions. Church, God will strengthen us. God will bless us to make the right decisions, even in difficult circumstances. And we see this with Boaz. Boaz decided that he will stay with his family. He trusted that God would bless the nation if they kept his commandments. And we'll see later that Boaz was a man who remained faithful to God. Boaz seems to be a man who, who I can describe as a man who sought the kingdom of God and all these things were added to him. But not only was Boaz a wealthy man, but Boaz was also a wholesome man. Boaz was not only rich materially, but he was also rich spiritually. You see, the, the author makes a point to include that, that, that Boaz was a man who feared God. Notice in the greeting. He says to his workers, the Lord be with you. We can safely conclude that this was a man who had his life saturated in God. His, his character reflected his devotion to God. His relationships reflected his love for God and his love for his people, thereby obedience to God. You can often tell the real character of a man in authority by watching how he relates to his staff and how his staff think of him. Notice how his workers responded to Boaz. They respond to him by saying, The Lord bless you, they said. Clearly, Boaz was a man loved by people. He was also a man who loves people. He, he kept a record of his staff. As soon as he got to his field, he, he immediately notices the new, the new Ruth. Notice there it says, Then Boaz said to his young man, who is in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Boaz comes to the field and he sees that there is someone who is here who hasn't been here before. Immediately he notices Ruth and he notices her as a woman at work. 
Now notice that our love story is not sparked by Ruth's appearance. Unfortunately, it's not one of those love stories where it says he saw Ruth as she was picking the, the as she was picking up the yield of the field, and as they looked up, their eyes locked, and there were flowers and soft music in the background. Unfortunately, there's no mention, in fact, of Ruth's physical appearance. Was she beautiful? <laughs> I don't know. Was it love at first sight? I don't think so. Instead, we see Boaz noticed a woman who was hard at work and a woman who was toiling the field. All Boaz knows about Ruth was that she was a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab and that she worked from early morning with a short break in between. Naomi had moved into the field practically. Her life was there. Why? So that she could return yield to her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi. But there's another good lesson I think we can pick up here as Christians. Christian, your work ethic and motive displays your relationship with Christ. Slothful workers and students do not make for praiseworthy servants of Christ. Ruth may have not known it, but she was under surveillance. She was under inspection, not just by Boaz who just got there, but by everybody else. They all noticed that Ruth was first in, last out. Likewise, you are under inspection. And my question tonight is, have you displayed the excellencies of Christ in your home? Have you displayed the excellencies of Christ in your social spaces, in your school, in your university, in your workplace? If we ask people in these spheres of influence, is this man a God-fearing person, would they be in shock? Or would they swiftly agree that this is a man or a woman who loves God? Is our character in our workspace, our school space, reflecting a transformed heart? We see this was true of Ruth. I also want to make another application to our singles. I almost asked are there any singles in the house, but we won't do that. I want to make a challenge that if you are looking for a partner, look for a partner who is loving and is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They must be believers. Check, yes. But go the step further. They must be a believer who fears God, who acknowledges Him, and who seeks to please God in all these spheres of influence. Now, I'm not saying go and marry a pastor. <laughs> But I am saying, go and marry someone who loves God. And if they're saying that they love God, you will see their love for God in their character. This was seen in Ruth, and we'll later see it was also seen in Boaz. Next, I want us to consider Ruth in the fields. Ruth in the fields. Now, I want to remind us that Naomi is yet to see the sweet providences of God. If you notice, I, I, I titled my sermon this, this evening, When Theology Meets Your Reality. 
What do you do when you know all this truth in your sorrow? When you know all this truth while you are grieving? When you know all this truth while your heart is broken and you have so many questions? What do you do with all this knowledge in your sorrow? What do you do in your reality? How does that play out on a day to day? You see, Naomi, she, she, she has the knowledge, but currently in her reality, all she sees is the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Therefore, do not call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara. Call me bitter. But I do want you to know that although Naomi is in this space, in her reality where she says, call me bitter, her theology is still present here because she acknowledges that not only does God give, but the same God takes away. And you'll further see in this chapter, in her conversation with Ruth, that that she's going to tell Ruth that it's the Lord who's going to lead you even on those fields. So the question tonight is, does your theology meet your reality or have you separated the two? The two must be one. So Naomi returns to Bethlehem and has said to her family, listen, call me bitter, for the Lord has dealt harshly with me. Notice the undeniable evidence of God's mercy as as they returned to Bethlehem, the harvest began. Is that chance? Is that fortune? Again, that's the providence of God. You see, although Naomi did not fully understand why, although she didn't have the answers to why would God allow such tragedy to meet her family, which we we often ask ourselves a question as well, the reality remains that God was at work. Although we may not have the answers today, we can rest assured that our holy God is at work. And because he is holy, in his work, he will not sin against us. John Piper would say, in every situation and in every circumstance of your life, God is always doing a thousand things that you cannot see and that you do not know. See, Ruth seems to know, to know this from her time of learning about this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When she was introduced to, to Yahweh, I want you to notice that though Naomi drank the bitter waters of, of God's, God's work, she still took time to instill some truth in Ruth's life. Notice Ruth's request. She says to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Ruth the Moabite knew the law. She knew what God's word had said. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 9 to 10, I have it up there. It says, when you reap the harvest of your law, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Or consider Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19 to 21. 
When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all, your, in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olive trees, you shall, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, for the fatherless, and for the widow. You see, God had commanded farmers of the wealthy in the land to literally cut corners during the harvest so that the poor could come in and find something to eat. It is interesting to note that God had a plan in place for the poor in the land. And he said, he who has, I am giving you the responsibility to give to the others as you giving to the Lord. But the first thing I want us to notice here is Ruth had to find the right field. Finding the right field. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And it says, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. What I do want us to, to emphasize, or what I want to emphasize tonight, is that it was God that brought Ruth and Boaz together. Ruth planned her ways to the field, but God established and directed her steps to Boaz. John Flevel makes this statement. God's providence is like Hebrew. It must be read backwards. You see, God would use Boaz as a ray of sunshine in Ruth and Naomi's stormy life. God had prepared in eternity past that Ruth would glean on Boaz, Boaz's field so that he could redeem them and produce the seed that would later redeem us. The same God is leading and directing you. He's leading and directing me tonight. He is preparing that ray of sunshine which will shine through that stormy ground. What should we do as we wait? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. We don't know how long the sunshine will break through the, through the stormy clouds, but what we do know is that our God is faithful. Our responsibility is to trust in Him. Second thing I want us to notice about, about Ruth is that she was humble but not passive. She was humble but not passive. Notice, Ruth took the initiative to take care of her mother-in-law. Mother we were reminded last week by Carson that Ruth was at the crossroads and she could have returned home to Moab to find greener pastures. The God, but she said, no, the God of Israel shall be my God and though he slay me, yet I will trust him and I will never forsake him. That is faith. Matthew Henry writes about Ruth and says, when providence has made her poor, she did not say, to glean, which is in effect to beg, I am ashamed. 
but cheerfully stoops to the meanness of her circumstances and accomplishes herself to her lot. Again, notice her humility. She, she does not tell her mother-in-law that she was, she was never brought up to live on crumbs. She doesn't say to Naomi and remind her every day that, hey, I have an opportunity to leave. I am younger than you. I can leave today and find greener pastures. No. What she actually does is she humbles herself. In fact, you can even say she humiliates herself, as it were, for the sake of her family. Again, Matthew Henry would say, humility is one of the brightest ornaments of youth and one of the best omens. Before, you, before Ruth's honor was this humility. Remember, to, to go and glean the fields was, was, was no prideful task. You were coming in as a poor and needy person, literally scraping for scraps. But Ruth says, this I shall do as the Lord provides that I might help my mother-in-law. But again, I want us to notice her request to Naomi. She says to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean the ears of grain after him in whose sight I find favor. Though she knew the law of God, Though she knew her rights, as it were, she was a woman who was dependent on the grace of God. She was determined, but she was not demanding. She was humble, but not passive. She was expectant, but not manipulative. Consider with me verse 7. She, she still asks, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. Naomi doesn't go carrying the book of the law and telling Boaz's men, I have the right to be here. She humbles herself and trusts in God's grace and asks that may I glean after the reapers. This was a woman of humility character that must be found amongst believers. See, there's a lot we can learn here. The truth is, suffering can make us bitter like Naomi. Suffering can leave us powerless, and it can also leave us passive. Suffering and grief can strip us of all hope. But tonight, tonight I want to encourage us, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who believes in God will not be put to shame. As we're reminded this morning, may we be like Ruth and humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, in His providence, He may exalt us. But whilst we wait, let us cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Church, Ruth did not know what God was working out in the background. We fortunately have hindsight, but she didn't know. But she trusted that God was at work. We don't know what God is working out for us here at Central. 
We don't know what, what the season is going to bring. But church, we are to continue in ministry. We are to continue in the kingdom work, in trusting him as he is at work, as he is faithful, as he is trustworthy, as he will work out what is meant for evil, he's going to work it out for good. He is the almighty God who is building his church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. So to close, I want to close with some implications. Ruth's resolve to abandon the idols of Moab for the living God of Israel was rewarded. God rewarded her providentially. Ruth was a woman of initiative, she was a woman of humility, and she was a woman of industry. These are worthy traits of any believer. Do they reflect who you are? My question tonight is, does, is your theology lived out in your reality? That's probably the better question. Is your theology lived out in your reality? Do you believe that all things happen as God ordains them? Do you believe that he personally sees to every event that happens in your life, whether good or bad? Do you believe that God is holy? Do you believe that he is loving and that he is just? Do you know that his character will not allow him to sin against you? Knowing all of this, do you trust him with your life? Will you cast all your cares upon him? The Lord has not forsaken you. The Lord has not forsaken us like he did not forsaken Ruth and Naomi. I want to end with words from John Piper. John Piper says, The Lord is kind. He is good to all who take refuge under his wings. So let us fall on our faces and bow before the Lord, confess our unworthiness, and take refuge under the wings of God and be astonished at his grace. Let's pray. Lord, even tonight we're reminded in the song, turn your eyes to the morning and see Jesus the lion awake. What a glorious dawn. Fear of death is gone. For we carry his life in our veins. Turn your eyes to the heavens. Our king will return for his own. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, thank you that even as we can sit here and read this love story unfold, as you reveal your redemption story for us in this story, God, we thank you that we can learn so much about your providence. 
We can learn so much about, about you seeing to every event of our lives and working it out for your will. God, I thank you that even as believers, Lord, we can cling to that promise that, God, all these things that you're working out, God, you will receive the glory for it, but, God, you're working it out for our good as well. God, tonight I do pray that you'll help us to trust in you. Help us, God, to trust in you, Lord, when the, when the circumstances are bleak. Father, I... I cannot imagine what is going through Naomi's mind as she just lost her husband and then she lost her two sons and then a daughter-in-law leaves her. God, just so much, just heavy on her heart. And yet, God, we can see from hindsight that, God, you were working things out for her good. God, encourage us tonight. God, even by something as simple as Ruth seemingly stumbling upon Boaz's field. Lord, help us to know that that was your sovereign hand at work, the same sovereign hand that's at work in our lives. God, you are a God we can trust. You are a God that we can give our all to and know that, God, you will not sin against us, for you are such a holy God. But, Lord, protect us from pride. Lord, protect us from pride even when we grieve. Protect us, Lord, from pride in our suffering. But, Lord, protect us from pride even when we are at the top of the mountain. Help us, Lord, to be humble. But, Lord, also help us to be a working people. Father, the beautiful thing about about Ruth is that, Lord, not only did she know your law, but she was obedient to it. May we be a people who are obedient. God, whilst we wait, may we work. And I pray, Father, that you may bless the works that we're doing. And I pray that we may be working these things for your glory. Build your kingdom here, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.